we have with us uh, Assam Rafi. Uh, he is a vice president sales uh, carbon cream. Uh, he has about 20 years of experience in enterprise equipment sales. He develops and implements uh, sales strategy for the company and leads global sales uh, and business development. Uh, he also manages the revenue generating channels and partnerships. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you uh, awesome for this particular session. I'll uh, just to give you a context on what we had over the last uh, two days. Uh, I think our guest speakers did emphasize on the fact that coal is going to stay over here. Uh, the way forward for India and how policy could evolve is blue hydrogen along with carbon capture. So I think you are a very critical cog uh, overall for India as we at least look uh, five years out. Uh, it would be good to hear from you uh, to start with what carbon clean does and what the offerings are. And uh, it would be more interesting also to hear uh, from a economic standpoint, uh, be it unit, unit economics or OPEX versus KPEX. And uh, I, I do understand from uh, the publicly available literature that you have certain installations in India as well. So it would be good to have your thoughts uh, on the subject. Uh, over to you, Asim, and I would request if you could uh, share the presentation on the screen. I think uh, that would be great. Sure. sure. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, uh, so Rakesh and Swapna, thank you. Pleasure to uh, present to this session today. At Carbon Clean, uh, we talk about revolutionizing industrial decarbonization. So I think everyone on this session recognizes the challenges. The challenges brought by climate change, CO2 capture today is frankly too expensive, businesses will continue to see it as a cost center without realizing the avenues that are now accelerating to turn that cost center into a profit center by utilization and um, incentives for uh, storage um, and so forth. 50% or more of sites just don't have the space. So, Carbon Clean is very much focused on the hard to abate industries. Uh, cement, steel, petrochem, energy from waste. In these very industries, we can have sites that have been operating over many decades, and they don't have the space to bring large-scale carbon capture plants. So how are we addressing these challenges? Firstly, we are looking to get to a carbon capture cost of $30 per tonne. This is significantly below what is achievable today. Ten times smaller equipment size and five times smaller footprint of the overall carbon capture facility. And I will talk about how we intend to do that. So, uh, you know, one thing that is always a um, key focus uh, for carbon clean. Of course, we are looking to decarbonize as many technology providers are, but there's also a tremendous market opportunity that's building globally. By 2030, uh, the IEA uh, has estimated that there will be 527 megatons of uh, carbon capture 
and we see here the sectors that are really driving that. So a significant uh, part of that will be cement and um, also uh, steel is um, a key component within this breakdown. We have chemicals and we have um, bio uh, carbon capture. So um, this will continue to grow and by 2050 this market is predicted to be over 2,800 megatons. Cement will continue to be uh, a significant uh, part of driving decarbonization. It's probably the most uh, carbon intensive uh, product in the world, certainly up there amongst the top carbon intensive products. And, uh, you know, there will also be uh, significant uh, decarbonization occurring in petrochem and uh, the other industries uh, I've mentioned. Overall, this market is uh, expected to turn into a $1 trillion industry. And, um, you know, it is therefore uh, a business opportunity as well as uh, seeking to tackle uh, the climate uh, challenges that we have. So how has carbon clean got to where it has today? Uh, the company started by developing an advanced amine-based carbon capture solvent. This was approved with the aid of a UK government grant back in 2012. The family of solvents is uh, called APBS, Amine Promoted Buffer Salt. We undertook commercial demonstrations and received the appropriate safety approvals in 2015. And then if we fast forward to today, we have uh, 44 operating units. Uh, we the, This actually needs updating, but we've actually captured with these units over 1.5 million uh, tons per annum of CO2 and that will continue to increase. We have completed two rounds of investment. Our round A uh, was at $16 million. Our round B was at $30 million. We have key investors such as Chevron, Equinor, Maraveni Corporation of Japan on board. We're looking to expand our business models and also offer carbon capture as a service. Traditionally, we have been looking to offer our solvents, undertake engineering for carbon capture plants, and um, provide a technology license. So very familiar standard offering for a technology provider such as us, but now we're expanding that model, recognizing that CAPEX is, you know, a key barrier to uh, the adoption of carbon capture technologies um, in most legislations right now around the world. And we also um, undertook a joint venture with Veolia in India at the beginning of 2021, which 
focuses on uh, biomethane upgrading and the energy waste sectors. And then uh, 2023 and beyond, our focus will be on our next generation technology. This is called Cyclone CC. And it is this technology that is looking to significantly reduce carbon capture costs down to $30 per tonne, which is approximately 50% of what is available in the market today, and the significant reduction in footprint. And I will talk more about Cyclone CC. So here we have a high-level process flow diagram of the aiming carbon capture process. It's not just carbon clean that utilizes this process. There are other technology providers uh, who are capturing carbon with this uh, process design. But we are bringing some specific values uh, to it. So at a high level, we have any industrial blue gas which will come through a cooler and blower into an absorber column. The absorber column is packed to maximize surface area for reaction. Our proprietary solvent is showered in from the top. And the solvent will only capture the CO2 from the blue gas. The resulting rich solvent solution will then pass through a heat exchanger into a stripper column. The process, of course, requires energy. And we have a reboiler DT for that. Now, the reboiler is normally fed by LP steam from a facility. This is the highest OPEX component of the amine carbon capture process. The solvent is heated up to approximately 140 degrees C, and at that point it will release the CO2. You get 99.5% pure CO2 at the end of this process. And then we can deal with that for any possible utilization that you have in mind. So we can compress it, we can liquefy it, and so forth. The solvent uh, after CO2 release, what we term regenerated solvent, will then recycle back to the process and uh, the reaction uh, carbon capture continues. Some of the values that we are bringing here, firstly, it's from our solvent chemistry. It is how the company started by developing an advanced solvent. And this allows high CO2 absorption. We also have some proprietary design within uh, this process. So a couple of examples of that. We have a three-stage water wash system at the top of the absorber column, and this guarantees near zero solvent emissions to atmosphere. We've undergone long testing campaigns, including at the Technology Center Mondstadt in Norway, the world's largest CO2 test facility, and our solvent in this setup has been shown to only be emitted in the parts per billion range, so near zero uh, chemical emissions to atmosphere. This is becoming a key topic in different jurisdictions around the world, and rightly so. If you're going to undertake carbon capture, 
you can't be emitting chemicals to do it. And then we also have a proprietary low-grade waste heat recovery system. With this, we can take heat as low as 120 or 140 degrees centigrade from the flue gas and use that to reduce the requirement for LP steam at the reboiler. Again, this is a key value offering because um, customers have a process of some type going on and they will view an additional part like this as bringing a parasitic load to that process. So reducing the requirement for energy input is a key offering when um, uh, delivering a process such as this. So our next generation technology that I mentioned is called Cyclone CC. And this is what is really enabling us to reduce uh, equipment size, material, and both investment costs and operating costs. It's a breakthrough of two process intensification technologies. Firstly, rotating packed beds in a machine. So where in plants that have existed up to today for aiming carbon capture, we've had these large columns, which can be 16 to 20 meters high or more. We now have rotating packed beds in a machine, and the solvent enters the center. Because the packed bed on, what, and, uh, on which the reaction is taking place is rotating, is dispersed radially, and then we have flue gas coming from the outside. It's actually coming in from the 3 o'clock and the 9 o'clock position. The flue gas meets the solvent in a counter-current direction, and you get intensified carbon capture. The second uh, process intensification technology is what we had already, our advanced carbon capture solvent. And this combination has allowed us to uh, really miniaturize uh, the carbon capture plant. The photo you see on the left is from one of our test facilities at one ton per day, which has been running over the last year. Um, this specific facility is in Glasgow. We also have testing ongoing in the US. And the unit um, in uh, Glasgow at one ton per day has really delivered, um, I would say, results uh, that were better than expected. We're now going to move to a testing campaign of 10 tons per day with bespoke customers at their sites. This will be 100% modular and scalable, and we're going to be fabricating this in standardized modules. We can imagine um, capacities of 10, 50, 100, 300 tons per day of carbon capture and more. In terms of what carbon clean solutions look like, on the left we have our conventional technology, engineered to order, often referred to as stick 
built plants, and capacities can be up to 4,000 tons per day. The picture you see uh, on the left is from our plant at uh, Tuti Korin in the south of India, where approximately 200 tons per day of CO2 is being captured and converted to soda ash. We have also undertaken speeds uh, in excess of 1,000 tons per day, most recently for ACORN, which is the large carbon capture and storage project in the UK. That was at approximately 1,000 tons per day of carbon capture, and we completed that feed in October of last year, and that project will move to FID uh, late this year. In the center, we have our solution, which we call semi-modular. And here, we've been able to containerize approximately 80% of the amine carbon capture process. So it is exactly the same process as shown on the left, but for a particular scale, we can offer a modular solution. So the capacity is five to 200 tons per day. And the carbon capture plant is what you see in the foreground. So we have a couple of containers and then the absorber and the stripper column seated nearby. This brings some obvious footprint and schedule benefits. And then uh, most exciting of all is our next generation Cyclone CC technology, which will offer fully fabricated modular systems I've talked about bespoke capacities in the range of 10 to 500 tons per day. This will allow us to bring the significant reduction in capex offsets and uh, footprint. We're going to start uh, our testing campaign at 10 tons per day this year with bespoke customers including CMEX, Holcim, and Veolia. And we are also, uh, with a major energy company, already undertaking a feed at uh, 100 ton per day capacity. Cyclone CC will be available to the market by the end of this year, by the end of 2022. So I talked about the value of $30 per ton as a goal for carbon capture cost. This is explaining how we expect to achieve that with uh, the next generation Cyclone CC technology. If we take a typical amine-based carbon capture process as our benchmark, costs are typically $70 per ton, uh, and we have these figures from uh, the DOE in the US. For this analysis, you can assume that we have an average scale carbon capture plant, about 200 tons per day, operating over 20 years, and uh, a typical blue gas, which would have a CO2 concentration of 10 to 20 percent. So firstly, on the CAPEX side, with the next generation technology, there are going to be some significant reductions. You lose those large absorber and stripper columns, which are a significant 
part of the CAPEX investment. You will lose many of the auxiliary systems and project costs involved with the deployment of a large-scale plant. Our plant at 2G Corin um, is capturing 200 tons per day, and to give you some idea of scale, it's sitting on about 500 meters squared uh, in terms of area, 500 to 600 meters squared. And then on the OPEX side, there are also some significant reductions of the next generation technology. The regeneration duty, this is where you have to heat up the solvent for it to release the CO2. This is the largest OPEX uh, component for uh, this type of process. That is significantly reduced. Why? Because you are also intensifying the process from centrifugal force. So with this combination, the um, heat input requirement is reduced. The solvent makeup and waste disposal costs are reduced to some degree. Our testing campaigns are showing that, and other OPEX savings. For this, we are specifically thinking about other utility consumption. So when you compare the next generation technology to conventional large-scale plants, you're going to have fewer motors, fewer pumps, less cooling water duties, and so forth. And this is really uh, then overall how you see our roadmap for reducing carbon capture costs to uh, about 50%, getting down from these numbers of 60 to $70 per ton of carbon capture, which is what is possible today, to our goal of $30 So a couple of uh, key customers that uh, I'd like to mention. Firstly, CMEX uh, in the US. This is one of the client sites where we are going to be testing Cyclone CC at 10 tons per day. This project is now underway, um, and process integration and scale-up of CO2 is taking place at this site in California. So it's a DOE uh, project in the U.S., and it will very much uh, give us the opportunity to scale up Cyclone TZ from uh, 10 tons per day. Uh, one conventional solution uh, to mention, it's actually the last plant that we commissioned in September of last year, 2021. And um, this is in uh, Jamshedpur in India. The concept here employed by Tata Steel was to undertake a demonstration project from which they will scale up. So as a corporate, they have a vision to reduce their CO2 emissions per tonne of steel produced. And um, the concept here was to commission a demonstration unit of five tonnes per day. This was actually scaled up to 15 tonnes per day, which is what is now being captured. It's the world's first uh, CO2 capture directly from blast furnace gas. And uh, the captured CO2 is being reused within their facility. Uh, it's actually going to a uh, raw iron manufacturing process. So it's carbon capture and 
capitalization. Of course, um, we need strong global partnerships to deliver these projects. Uh, I think what will be very um, evident to uh, folks on this call is that, you know, the whole end-to-end -end solution has to come together for such projects, uh, right from an end user who is uh, supporting uh, a product, whether that's CO2 in its basic form or a chemical derivative, uh, soda rash, methanol, and so on. Uh, you know, the, the operator that is looking to decarbonize, the technology beh uh, behind that from the likes of carbon clean, the government legislation, it all has to come together. And uh, we operate with a similar mindset. Um, you know, we look to uh, form strong strategic partnerships to deliver our solutions. And here are some examples of that. So. We're engaged uh, with the cement majors such as Horsin, Cmex, and Dalmia. We have various projects ongoing with these uh, companies. I mentioned the joint venture with Veolia in India, which will focus on energy from waste and biomethane upgrading. And uh, then we have a number of delivery partners from EPC such as Wood and Doosan uh, to packages. Uh, such as TPI Union, Hitachi, Zosin, and Nova. These are the companies that assist Carbon Clean to deliver our plant solutions to customer sites. And uh, finally, at the bottom, you see a summary of um, our key investors to date. And that concludes my presentation. Thank you, Asim, for a wonderful presentation, uh, quite detailed, covering up the technology part as well. Uh, I'll request the participants, if you have any questions, uh, please do raise your virtual hand, and uh, we'll come back to you for, for in the queue. Uh, meanwhile, I have a few questions for you, Asim. I, I think the second last or the last slide which you uh, showed uh, uh, included likes of Simex and Halsum. I uh, just wanted to understand uh, the scale of projects uh, these companies have undertaken or they are looking at, or probably Dalmia uh, when it comes to the Indian context. Uh, so if you could bifurcate your client base, say, uh, in Europe versus, say, in the Indian subcontinent, uh, the reason I ask is uh, India doesn't have any regulatory support, unlike what you probably have in U.S. or in Europe. So, just trying to understand one, uh, how, how the promoters or how the companies are approaching uh, you in a different way. Sure, sure. So, uh, that's a good question, Ritesh, and that's very much, um, I think, demonstrated in what's going on um, in the different geographies around the world. So, um, if I take Europe to start with, with CMEX uh, at a major cement facility in Germany, uh, we are actually uh, working on a feed which will start with a Cyclone CC unit at 100 tons per day. This will be scaled up to 400 tons per day. And um, 
you know, they actually have a vision to completely decarbonize that, um, uh, that cement facility uh, to approximately uh, 2,500 tons per day of carbon capture. This initial feed activity that is going on is supported by uh, the EU Innovation Fund. So, you know, you have strong legislation. It's encouraged this uh, cement company to start the path towards uh, decarbonizing uh, their facility. We um, also have a project with the same company in the U.S. I think the legislation in the U.S. is not as strong, but it's coming. You may have seen an announcement recently where uh, the uh, carbon tax is almost doubling from 45 uh, to, you know, closer to uh, $80 to $90. And we're seeing um, that reflected now in an urgency to get projects away. We're testing at 10 tons per day uh, with CMEX in California, which is one of the cases that I mentioned. And then, you know, to take a case in India with Dalmia, we have undertaken a, an engineering uh, study uh, at 500 tons per day. So, you know, the operators in India, they are um, working at huge scales, but um, uh, there still, of course, remains a challenge now uh, without the legislation being as advanced as other geographies uh, to build up that momentum of getting this engineering study into actually something uh, more tangible. So there's a couple of routes there. One, you start at a smaller demonstration and build up what we are doing with Tata Steel. Uh, or two, you know, you wait for that legislation where it can uh, be more supportive to making a 500 ton per day scale uh, you know, make economic sense for an alternate rate of uh, like Dalmia. That's, that's encouraging. Uh, I think, uh, again, coming back to CAPEX and OPEX, uh, you indicated that uh, if, I, if I got it right, uh, we are somewhere at around $70, and uh, it will eventually go towards $30. Uh, did I hear it right? Yes. That's correct. With uh, our next generation technology, when I talked about, uh, you know, benchmarking against the technologies available uh, today, the 100% is about $70 per ton or more. In Europe, it would be more like $90 per ton. And, uh, you know, we, through um, Cyclone CC, really see opportunities to reduce material, to reduce operating costs and get down to about 50%, closer to something like $30 per ton. And uh, would this be for a specific minimum capacity that you are looking at? Uh, yes, to, to begin with, certainly. So um, you will not achieve $30 per ton at small scales. Um, you would be needing to think about capacities of, you know, two to three hundred tons per day. Uh, but the whole, uh, you know, the, the whole value behind Cyclone CC is that eventually, because we are looking to bring more of a standardized product offering, carbon capture, 
the smaller scales will become uh, more economically viable. So, uh, you know, when we have hopefully a factory with an assembly line of Cyclone CC units, eventually the cost will come down also for the smaller units. So, um, you know, it could become realistic for less than 200 tons per day to also uh, achieve uh, $30 per ton once we get the, uh, you know, once we get the manufacturing capacity to continue to bring the cost down. That's interesting. Uh, if I could just take this thing forward, uh, uh, if one had to actually implement this plant, uh, how much would the capex be required? Uh, I was just doing back, back of the mind math, uh, factoring the carbon prices in Europe. Uh, and the OPEX uh, at $30, it makes a lot of sense. And one can actually justify whatever IRR is there on a particular project. Uh, but would love to hear from you, uh, how much would it cost uh, to put on a, say, 300 ton uh, per day capacity facility? And uh, a second derivative question over here is, uh, when you look at say, something like Tata Steel versus Simex, uh, in steel making process, you have carbon emission at different stages, right? You have blast furnace, you have coke oven. Uh, as compared to cement, probably I think a lot of it is confined to the kiln. Uh, so when, when it comes to the installation and capex, uh, how does the designing work? How does the capex intensity actually differ? Yes, yeah, so uh, of course the, the, the capex, opex um, picture will change from opportunity to opportunity, uh, project to project, um, you're absolutely right, you know, the type of industry application, cement, uh, yes, primarily we are looking to capture carbon from the kiln, there are also other emission sources on site, uh, boilers and, and so forth, um, steel, there's glass furnace gas, but other uh, sources also of blue gas. Uh, so this does create a, a different picture. Um, and, you know, case by case, uh, obviously we look to offer the most optimal solution for uh, CapEx, OPEX balance. Um, in terms of coming back to the CapEx question, I think, uh, you know, for something uh, just just to give very high-level numbers, uh, 10 tons per day, you know, we can imagine a capex value of about $5 million for a plant. Uh, 100 tons per day, uh, you know, it would be more like 10 to 15. Uh, very much depending on the specifics, as we've discussed, of the process, the industry, and, and so forth. So we have to look at it case by case. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, as I said, uh, the direction we're moving in terms of looking to modularize, standardize, uh, miniaturize footprint is going to just help in reducing both CAPEX and OPEX costs. Uh, I presume the numbers, what you indicated, the 100 times per day, 10 to $15 million, uh, it is uh, for the CC technology, which we are going to come up with uh, later this year, uh, would it be a broad indicator number for that? Uh, absolutely. I'm uh, yeah. I'm talking about cycle and CC. Um, 
course, when we talk about conventional technology, uh, you know, we are at much higher numbers. Sure. Uh, I'll just take a pause. Uh, I'll request Sitesh uh, to kindly unmute yourself and please go ahead with a question. Thank you. Uh, yeah. so, uh, thank you, Sitesh. And, uh, and thank you, Asim, for the uh, detailed narration on uh, insights. I have a very small question with regard to the upcoming and going on carbon uh, capture and storage uh, fatality systems. Uh, there has been uh, concerns around the water consumption uh, with respect to the, you know, maybe utilization in the stripping process or something like that. And uh, being, uh, being, taking a case of a, let's say, cement industry, uh, they are mostly operated on the, you know, dry regions where there is a, a, a huge availability of limestone, but Yet, they generally are in an area where their water, generally their water scarce. So, uh, how, do you, how do you comment upon that and what is the technology? Is there any technology which is coming on like dry stripping bases or some other technology, modern technology available so that they could eliminate the use of water or at least reduce the use of water? Yeah. Uh, uh, Jitesh, if you could just give a backdrop, uh, uh, just a brief about yourself, where, uh, for yeah, yeah. From, I think yeah. it will help us also to put into perspective. Sure, sure. Uh, sorry, sir. Sorry for just going ahead with the question. Uh, I am Jitesh Singh and I am looking after the aspect of sustainability for J.K. Lakshmi Cement Limited and the Record Cement Box Limited. So, I have been uh, in this uh, domain uh, from like uh, quite uh, 7 to 8 years now. And I've been handling the aspect of personality and listening to the aspect of research, mostly on new technologies and, uh, you know, uh, lower carbon footprint aspects. Yes, uh, wonderful. Jitesh, the reason uh, to ask is basically Asam can appreciate uh, why you are asking a specific detail. So probably, uh, yeah, Asam, probably if you have some broad numbers on uh, water intensity, uh, 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 do we have a process on whether it can be reduced or not? Uh, probably from the installations that we have, I think uh, it would definitely help uh, Jitesh. Okay, uh, so Jitesh, uh, thank you for the question. Um, you know, certainly um, it, it's one of the utility consumers and, uh, of course, a significant one in a process such as this. So when you look at this high-level process flow diagram that I shared, um, you know, whether you have a column or a rotating pack bed uh, for the absorber and the stripper, uh, there are cooling water duties. Uh, we have a scrubber uh, here at the top of the absorber column. Um, there may uh, be uh, scrubbing for socks and knocks uh, prior to uh, the flue gas cooler. And again, typically, uh, it's water wash in columns. Uh, so, uh, it is a key component. Um, again, as far as carbon clean uh, is concerned, we do see that this will reduce with the next generation technology. Um, the consumption for water wash will not be as significant with the rotating pack beds as with uh, large-scale columns. So, that's really primarily how we're looking to uh, address it. Um, it's very difficult to give numbers. You know, I think we'd have to look at uh, the specific conditions, range of uh, conditions that you may uh, be working with, and then we could certainly give you an indication. Um, but 
really, uh, you know, in terms of our efforts, it's the next generation technology where we see, um, you know, certainly the, the water requirements, recognizing that it is a, uh, it's not always freely available, uh, but also the uh, reboiler, the heat energy requirements, it's reducing both of those is one of the key components of our next generation technology offering. Okay, thank you. Yeah, uh, awesome. What I'll do is I'll connect uh, Jitesh with you. Uh, probably uh, you, you can have a conversation. Uh, JK Lakshmi is one of the larger uh, cement mills uh, in the India. Uh, uh, so uh, participants, I'll request if you have any questions, please do raise your virtual hand. Uh, I, I have a couple of questions, awesome, before we close for the session. We have, I think, around five, six minutes. Uh, uh, my question was very basic. Uh, what happens uh, after carbon capture? Uh, say, probably in the case of startup steel, if you can give an example of uh, what exactly are they doing. Uh, so you did indicate that uh, you can actually compress it, liquefy it, uh, but there is an additional cost which is attached to that process as well. Uh, so just trying to understand uh, what is the eventual end game. Uh, it could be EOR, it could be something else. Uh, but what is it, something like Tata Seal planning or what is it, something like Dalmia planning on, on, on the eventual game plan? Sure. Um, so if I come back to uh, some of the projects we're involved with, um, of course, utilization or storage is a key component. Uh, without that being properly thought out, the project will likely not happen. So that is a factor in uh, all of the concepts we're involved with. Uh, course, uh, it's a fundamental component. Uh, to give you some idea um, on uh, those uh, utilization or storage options, I'll talk about some of the projects. So uh, with CMEX, uh, we're involved in a project where uh, CO2 has been captured from the cement kiln and it is actually being converted into a synthetic fly ash. Uh, CMEX can then use that back into the cement making process to produce enhanced concrete. Um, just to take one step back, but when it comes to utilization, it really comes down to scale. So small scale, you can think about using the CO2 directly, liquefying it, uh, use it, uh, it directly sell it into the market and so on. Mid-scale, you would think about chem chemical conversion. So the example I just gave, convert it to a synthetic fly ash in the cement industry, convert it to soda ash, as in uh, what is happening at Tuti Corin, uh, where coal-fired boiler flue gas is having CO2 captured, that is being converted to soda ash, and 2-T-Corin alkaline chemicals are selling that soda ash to Unilever uh, for the manufacture of uh, detergents and cleaning products. And then at the larger scale, a more uh, continuous uh, process conversion makes sense. 
So we're involved with a project called Liquid Wind. Uh, this project is going ahead in Sweden. It's looking to become Europe's first synthetic fuels project. And um, CO2 will be captured with our technology from industrial emitters in the area. Liquid wind will produce hydrogen from uh, renewable electricity. And then the hydrogen and CO2 will come together to produce methanol. And uh, liquid wind already have offtake agreements for the use of that methanol as a shipping uh, fuel. Um, so these are some examples. Um, we have a project with Holcim uh, in Spain. Uh, and with that project, they are looking to capture CO2 from a cement kiln and actually send it to greenhouses to boost the photosynthesis process. That project is about 150 tons per day of CO2 capture. So again, it's smaller scale and it's making sense to utilize uh, the CO2 directly. So those are just some of the examples. Primarily it comes down to scale. Of course, it will also come down to where the business is located, what potential utilizers are near um, the particular business. Uh, and, um, you know, uh, that utilization is a key component. And then at the mega scales, the really big scales, um, we're obviously going to get into the realms of storage. And um, I mentioned that together with Wood, uh, we uh, are working on a project uh, on the north coast of Scotland for carbon capture and storage in the UK. Uh, at a scale of approximately 1,000 tons per day. So uh, there are some of the examples I would mention. That's, that's quite interesting. Uh, if it's possible, if you can share some literature around synthetic slash, uh, I think uh, it will be a lot. It will be of a, a lot of interest to me as well as probably uh, as a speaker around with the mills as well. Uh, it, it, it looks an interesting proposition. Uh, I'll request uh, Mr. Anil Jain uh, to please unmute and ask the next question. Uh, do please uh, introduce yourself. I think it will help uh, some also to reflect on your question better. Thank you. Uh, thank you for your service. My name is uh, Anil Jain and uh, I'm the Office of Environmental and Sustainability at JKS Cement. And uh, thanks to Jason for your uh, informative uh, presentation for the carbon capture, which could be one of the uh, uh, possible measures to maximize electricity. But uh, <coughs> I just want to know you have mentioned that the, uh, the effect may be capital cost required for the small size of the plant, like 100 degrees. That they do 50 million dollars is required for pattern of CO2 to be down. Then, what is the uh, effect uh, cost for operational size plant? Because I have calculated for putting up a 5,000 GPD of the skill, and with the uh, with this net zero issue target, it is comes to be around 20 to 25 percent of this total project cost. So, what and second question which already Mr. Vitis uh, already uh, asked that is what to do with the CO2 capture 
if you want then it can be converted into some useful material like flyers and methanol which can further be used so do you think this entire system of capturing this sort of converting from another valuable matter it would be the bigger than the cement uh, uh, plant and then the our all uh, uh, the uh, the whole uh, activities which we are engaged with the cement manufacturing yet could be diverted to another business and uh, i just want to know about the flyers synthetic flyers literature if you could share us and if we produce the methanols then uh, 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 do you have any such studies and any models that the entire capex and opex model can lead to cement plant make financial impact on the cost of the product Okay, uh, so thank you for that question. Um, so starting with um, uh, the cost, uh, scale actually works for you. So of course, um, you know, costs will increase, but um, not, not you know, uh, not in a straight line. Uh, scale does give you uh, benefit. Uh, so to take an example, you know, our plant at Tuti Corin, where the soda ash is being produced, uh, because of that scale of 200 tons per day or more, the capture cost is actually coming out at about $40 per ton, which is very competitive for existing technology, but it's um, achievable because of uh, the scale involved. I think, you know, if we can uh, be connected um, after this session, uh, we would be happy to look at your specific example to give you uh, a perspective of CAPEX and OPEX. Um, and then on your final point, you know, um, one thing that has to happen is the end-to-end the -end solution and commitment has to be there. So we have to be... Uh, you know, uh, straightforward and recognize that the final product that is manufactured is not going to compete with um, what is available in the market today because, you know, uh, soda rash is being produced in other ways. Why that project becomes economically viable is that you have a off-taker in this case, it was Unilever India, uh, which was willing to pay, uh, you know, some premium to achieve their decarbonisation goals. Same with the methanol project that we are involved with at Liquid Wind. Musk Shipping is paying some premium because they themselves want to decarbonise their shipping fees. So it starts right there, you know. Uh, that there's a viable and committed off-taker. You know, the business um, itself that is producing the CO2, they have to have the commitment, obviously, to uh, invest and want to decarbonize. Uh, and then you need the consortium of technology providers. It all has to fit end-to-end. It can, it, you know, it certainly can be economically viable if you get that end-to-end -end commitment. And, you know, uh, some of the examples I've given prove that. Uh, you know, uh, the projects we're involved with um, in the cement industry to produce synthetic fly ash, um, in the industry to produce uh, methanol, they would not be happening 
unless that end-to-end commitment had come in place. And, um, uh, you know, uh, it, it proves that it can be viable, but you need all these uh, different pieces and commitment to line up to, um, as you put it, get that methanol uh, sold and, um, you know, make your overall economics work uh, for your facility. Yes, okay. Thank you. Thanks a lot. And that, and that would be better to start. Mr. Anil, I'll connect you with uh, Mr. Assam separately, uh, likewise for Mr. Jitesh as well. Uh, so I think if, if it's useful to you, it would be uh, great. Yes, that would be great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Assam, I just had one last question before uh, we sum it up uh, for the amount of time. Uh, so, for say, someone like Tata Steel who has uh, a pilot project in place, uh, what would a steel mill in India do uh, post-capture? Uh, is, is there a solution? You gave a couple of global examples, uh, but when it comes to a steel mill, uh, what could be a potential solution uh, to your mind? Yes, so the, the demonstration project we've got with Tata Steel, they are actually uh, utilizing the captured CO2 back into their process. I, I don't know the specific process. I understand it's within their iron-making uh, process where they uh, take that blast furnace gas CO2 and uh, utilize. Um, now... Of course, the demonstration project is in this 5 to 15 ton per day, and at that scale, that makes sense. They also have a vision to scale up, and beyond a certain point, they will not be able to utilize all of the CO2. Then they need to think about, you know, other options, uh, whether that's methanol, uh, whether that's uh, some sort of ability to go for storage um, in, uh, you know, in India. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you know, uh, right now, the, the demonstration scale, and it's one of the reasons why they decided to start at this scale, they are able to utilize in their process. Um, at larger scales, they will need to uh, bring new thinking of what product they could convert to. Right. That's, that's quite interesting. Now, if that is for Tata Steel India, uh, what would you make for companies like, say, Tata Steel has operations uh, in Europe, uh, both at Port Talbot as well as in Netherlands at Aymutsen, uh, or, say, like the Arcelors uh, of this world, when there is a huge regulatory support which is definitely there. Uh, have you engaged with these guys to understand what, what the eventual game plan would be? Uh, because uh, to what my understanding is, uh, I think green hydrogen is good, beautiful to listen to, this music to years, uh, but honestly, cost is something which is quite prohibitive at this juncture. So, intermediary solutions could be uh, carbon capture is a beautiful option. Uh, so, what sort of engagements you have, how do you think uh, it will evolve for the steel in Europe? Yeah, so, I mean, we're, we're certainly engaged with all of them. Uh, the facilities you've mentioned, we're, we're speaking to them. Uh, so, you know, our cellar motel have their uh, huge complex in uh, uh, Belgium. Uh, so uh, we are talking to that facility. Uh, they will do something, I believe. Uh, 
in, in due course uh, to decarbonise. Uh, Tata Steel, similarly, in the UK, I think um, there's been some announcements in the UK about different regional industrial clusters. Uh, there were announcements at the end of uh, last year, and now that these clusters understand how they are prioritised, you will find that the companies located in them will take a decision on how fast they would like to move. Uh, Tata Chemicals, by the way, their sister company, has already done a soda rash plant in the UK. Um, unfortunately, we were not the technology provider for that one. We, we have the one in India, but um, uh, yeah, you know, the, what I can say specifically for steel, uh, we are uh, engaging with them, and um, I think with the ever strengthening legislation in Europe where uh, the cost of uh, carbon is now north of 70 euros per tonne, uh, you know, projects will happen. That's quite uh, encouraging to hear. Uh, thank you so much, Asam, for uh, a wonderful conversation and a very insightful presentation. Uh, I'd also like to thank all the participants for uh, joining on for this session. Uh, thank you so much, Asam, and I'll connect you with uh, uh, the respective folks so that you can actually take it forward, uh, which could be beneficial to uh, both the parties. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to speak to everyone. Thank you. Cheers.